Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. Our guest today is Mike Matthews. He founded Legion Athletics, which is an awesome line of protein powders and supplements. He also has a blog. You can find Mike on Instagram at Muscle for Life Fitness. I had some of his uh, chocolate peanut butter protein powder this morning. Enjoy. Mike Matthews. Ethan. Welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. We did it. We fucking did it, man. It just took a global pandemic, but we did it. Yeah, I mean, we should briefly touch on, I was on your podcast eons ago, and you were going to come on mine, but then you weren't allowed to come to the state, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to visit LA, uh, I guess it was a few weeks ago now. It was in the end of last month, and and then it obviously became clear that that wasn't going to happen. And, um, so now I'm, I'm, you know, quarantining time is both moving ridiculously slowly and really fast at the same time. Oh yeah. How so for you? I go to bed at night going, well, that was a whole day. Like I'm very confused by it, but in the middle of the day, I'll feel, I, I feel like at one, t- at the same time, we've been doing this quarantine thing forever. And it started yesterday. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, I understand the feeling. I am making a joke in one of my upcoming emails that it feels a bit like I'm likening it to in Lord of the Rings when Frodo got stabbed by the uh, Morgul blade. And he's, he's, he's alive, but he's also now under this dark enchantment that's like sucking him into the spectral realm. So we're in this kind of surreal purgatory limbo of for for many of us who are fortunate enough to 
to experience this as maybe an obnoxious inconvenience because this is a lot worse for for many other people but for those of us who don't have it nearly as bad yeah it's a it's it's a strange it's a strange time i think i think it's clear we're living through history and and i i think there's a bit of a sea change underway it's 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 very, it's very, it's, it's just very interesting to, to experience. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I don't know what that sea change will be ultimately, but I'm sure it will be, it will have some effect on us all. I don't even really want to pause it because when I start going down the road of like, I think it's going to be like this, I think it's going to be like that. I, I get into like dark ideas about only having accessibility to McDonald's and like deer in Griffith Park. And you know what I mean? And, and I can't really figure out what my, I I mean, maybe I read too much Cormac McCarthy and I just go super dark with everything, which I hope it doesn't become like that. But I want to know, do you think, I I don't think it, it, it will affect any of the principles that I think you stand by as far as like fitness and nutrition goes, because those, those are pretty firm but I wonder if it will have any effect on how you deploy them or how you uh, advocate for their deployment. So you have, it seems like you have a, a lot of people who are, would, are, are newer in their fitness journey or you have a lot, let's say it seems like you have fewer people looking to start uh, their, their fitness journeys right now. And I'm saying this just based on what I've seen in terms of um, website analytics and, and email traffic and yeah, just just kind of touch points with with the the broader kind of gen fit marketplace, so to speak. But then you have a lot of people who once they once they have established those habits, are finding creative ways to keep them in and and understanding that we don't have to be perfect ever, right? It's something I talk about and write about that even to to achieve our our for most of us our dream physique our dream body we can we can take the aesthetics and and combine that with performance and health you don't have to be perfect even when you have the the, the perfect environment you just need to be mostly good most of the time that gets the job done and and so i think it makes sense to maybe recalibrate our expectations right now like i'm getting a lot of people asking about losing muscle right now and, and and they're concerned about it. These are people who again they they've gotten into the routine and they were used to going to the gym and they were happy with what was happening with their body and now they're like, oh shit, am I am I gonna lose all of my gains? Right. And so I've been explaining to people, for example, that no, no, if you look into the research on detraining, for example, I, I think it's fair to say that on average it takes three to four weeks of, of not training at all before you really start to lose any muscle tissue as opposed to some muscle size, right? So if you stop lifting, you're going to lose some water, you're going to lose some glycogen, you're going to look smaller, but you haven't lost muscle tissue. So we're talking three or four weeks of no training, right? And then even if you do lose some muscle, let's say for whatever reason, you've completely fallen off the wagon. Okay. If you do lose some muscle because of muscle memory, which is a, is a very real phenomenon, you're going to gain it back very quickly once you get back to it. It's going to be like newbie gains all over again. And and one other bit of positive information I share with people is the amount of training volume that it takes to maintain muscle is way less than it takes to gain. Uh, research suggests it might be up to like one-eighth to one-ninth. I think 
most experts would agree that it's it's at least one fifth, meaning that if you're doing on average, your normal workout routine was 15 hard sets per major muscle group per week, and you are now doing three per major muscle group per week, you are going to maintain more or less all of your muscle. And you might lose some strength, but that would be more just losing the skill component, right? So I don't know about you. I don't have access to, I don't have a home gym. I have some Bowflex dumbbells. So I haven't, I haven't done any barbell work in, um, I mean, since the gym closed a month ago or whatever it was. Same. And yeah. So, so when we get back to the barbell, we can expect to, to have to, I don't think I'm going to be able to fire up my training spreadsheet and just go right back to the the numbers that you know I, I would have normally been working with. But that's more just because uh, although squatting and deadlifting and pressing aren't tremendously technical activities, there is a skill component. And if we don't do uh, them for for some period of time, we're going to be a little bit rusty. It's going to feel a bit awkward. But for for those of us who are doing what we can to maintain our muscle, which we can do with our body weight, if we add some bands, it gets even easier. If we add some dumbbells, it gets even easier. When we get back in the gym and get back under a barbell, I, I, I would expect within a few weeks, we'll be right back to where we were before this began. Yeah, I I... I read way too much into my own shit, so excuse me, but it's just the way my mind works. So I go like, I started um, a a big uh, uh, maintenance phase, basically, right before this happened. And part of this, I keep having the recurring thought of like, oh, this is all my fault. This maintenance phase uh, precipitated this pandemic, which caused, like, I fucked up gyms for everyone. If I had just kept cutting none of this would have happened which i i know is like extreme megalomania and delusional and ridiculous also but but i did and and i'm actually that then there's some p- small part of me that's also like relieved because it takes the pressure off certainly of trying to have some kind of a big gain over this period where my access to stuff like a gym is so diminished and I do. I have um, a few cardio machines and dumbbells and like a kettle kettlebell at my house. Um, so it's all been kind of sl- sl- patchwork of just trying to hit every muscle. And and because none of it's very heavy, I'm going much closer to failure almost every day, but then feeling as though I did nothing a couple hours later. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I totally get it. And if you uh, if you want to if you want to carry the burden for all of us, then <laughs> then <laughs> if if you have the the strength for it, then then hey, maybe maybe this is uh, this is this is a moment for you to 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 flex your your resilience muscle in a way that you never have before. Right. Um, and and as far as as far as the training as far as the training goes. Um, I, I totally agree on, on again, that's kind of recalibrating the expectations and what should we be going for? So as far as maintenance goes, that's exactly what I'm, I'm just looking at this as cool. I'm just going to maintain until I can, can get back in the gym and I'm okay with that. And, and I understand if that's the first time where let's say you were in a lean bulk or, or even in a cut, not that you can't cut right now. You actually can, we could talk about that if you'd like, but some people are, that have been, that have been asked like, is that going to impair my immune system? Is it a bad idea to cut right now? And the simple answer is no. But uh, if you are making progress and then this feels like just a complete 
I guess, you know, roadblock or just, just a dead end. Right. Then, and I do get it. And I experienced that probably the first time I really experienced that was when I was dealing with some biceps tendonitis some time ago. And it wasn't, it was maybe like a six out of 10, but it got to where I had to back. I couldn't flat bench for a bit. I was working with physical therapists doing ART and really trying to resolve it. So it didn't turn into a major issue. And so for, that was the first time for about six to eight months, I was basically forced to just maintain with uh, mostly my upper body. It didn't affect my lower body too much, but uh, there were lifts that again, bench press was out of the question. Overhead press was out of the question. Um, there were a couple other exercises that it, I, I had to eventually just kind of stay away from because one of the key things, if you're dealing with uh, a tendon issue is, or anything that's really just aggravated is you got to stop re-aggravating it. And, and so I had to learn to be more patient during that time. And it was a good experience in the end to have where I had to be okay with going to the gym and doing my workouts and knowing that I wasn't going to really going to be able to do exactly what I wanted. And I probably wasn't going to make very much progress on the whole, but uh, I was progressing in another way, which was getting rid of this biceps tendon problem. And eventually it goes away. And then what's also nice is, and this is, we all, this is just human nature, right? Once, no matter how annoying and obnoxious the situation is, or even how grueling a situation is, unless, you know, I guess there are certain levels of trauma this wouldn't apply to, but for the type of thing that we're talking about, once it's over and we're back into our routine and making progress and and doing what we want to do, uh, we're, we're happy again. And it's like none of this happened. And so I guess I was a little bit prepared for that. And when I switched into that mentality, uh, for 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 this situation, there was no friction, right? And I, and again, I think anybody can 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 just kind of work that out for themselves. Where again, it's just a matter of expectations. And we're 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 you're in this, I know, for the long haul, and I'm in this for the long haul. I'm sure a lot of people listening are are looking at fitness to them as a lifestyle, and it's about longevity. It's not just about I I need I need to get jacked as quickly as possible. Like that's fine. But but there's also the bigger picture. And if we if we step back and we kind of zoom out a little bit, what we're experiencing right now, if that's the worst of it, by the by the time this is over, if our biggest complaint is we had to we had to go into a couple months months of unwanted maintenance, then I think that uh, we made out like bandits. <laughs> I agree. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. If life was rolling along as it was, I would probably be really more frustrated with what I see as like a stagnation right now, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. And as, then, then you'd be like, well, now what, what, what excuse do I have? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And as it is, it's like, and, and by the way, I could totally see doing a cut right now. I just, I just wonder if my already taxed nerves would be even more taxed by that. So that's part of why I'm like, thank God I'm not doing that. Thank God I'm, I'm just maintaining because whatever stresses I, my, I would feel physically from it are not part of this, what I'm doing now. I wanted to ask you about building muscle while losing weight. Now I have I'm certainly not the norm. I went down to about 13% body fat at just over 200 pounds through almost 
through truly strictly cardio. And it was about eight hours a day of cardio. And when I gave that up, I started lifting weights and going to the gym and kind of fell in love with it there and then spent like two years eating whatever I wanted and lifting weights and went up to almost 400 pounds. And I have since been cutting back from that. And and only in about the last year have I been concentrating on muscle retention. So to, to my mind, and from what I've looked at, I know there's some weird magical window where it is possible to lose fat and gain muscle at the same time, but really it's done when you're doing a bunch of drugs or you've never worked out before. Those are kind of the easy places to do it. And and I, I just want to ask you for a, a broader explanation of that. Yeah. I mean, you really, you really give it a simple summary of it. I would also add a, a detrain scenario, right? So let's say you were into lifting for a while and then you got, you, you fell out of it and you lost a lot of the muscle that you gained. You can gain it back very quickly. And you could, you could also then, if you were in a calorie deficit, you, you could also gain muscle back fairly quickly. Um, it'd be a bit faster if you weren't, but, but there's that, when you have that muscle memory on your side, you could think of it as it's, it's similar in potency, I guess you could say to newbie gains, right? And that, that's what you were referring to is when your body is hyper responsive to the stimulus of training. Now, the problem is that that's the response declines uh, in w- with time. And in the average person, I think it's fair to say newbie gains probably last about six months. I've seen maybe as high as eight months in some people where they just, they, they, they were still very responsive to training. And that, that just comes down to genetics and compliance. Some people are just genetic high responders and they're going to gain muscle faster than others. And in some cases, they're also going to be able to gain more muscle on the whole. And so where it's, it's just, and this is, this is a good timing on this question because I actually just finished up, I just finished it a few days ago, a contribution to uh, a textbook for personal trainers. And um, it's, it is, it's going to be edited, edited by Brad Schoenfeld. Oh, great. Um, Yeah. And, and this is, this was, this was actually the topic was, was body recomposition and so, so the, the current weight of the evidence is, is that, yes, in people who are new to resistance training, there's no question. It's been shown in a number of studies. It's really not complicated. They get into lifting, and if it's, it doesn't even have to be anywhere even close to optimal in terms of their programming. If they just get into like training their muscles in some way that halfway makes sense, and they restrict their calories, and they just maintain that calorie deficit, they're going to gain some muscle, and they're going to lose fat. Now, if they um, follow a well-programmed routine, they're going to do a bit better. If they also eat enough protein, they're going to do a bit better. If they don't restrict their calories too heavily, they're going to do a bit better. Now, where the evidence shows that it is very unlikely to, to, to gain muscle and lose fat at the same time is in an experienced weightlifter, and particularly an experienced weightlifter. So let's say to put a number to that, Let's say a guy who has gained his first, at least his first 25 pounds of muscle, I think is, is a fair cutoff point. And regardless of how long it took him to get there, but um, if most guys can, can do that in a year, a year and a half, if they, if they just do the, the most important things, mostly right most of the time. And so that guy is going to have a lot more trouble. And if that guy is also 
lean and wanting to get really lean. So let's say that guy is somewhere between 10 and 15% body fat and wants to get down to sub 10. Um, then he almost certainly is not going to be able to gain muscle and lose fat at the same time. It becomes even more difficult as you get leaner, regardless of the size of your calorie deficit. And for women, for any women listening, you could pretty much cut the number in half. So if a woman has gained her first 10 to maybe 12, max 15 pounds of muscle, she's no longer a a novice, no longer a newbie. And uh, she has reached the point of diminishing returns. And, And the reason why that is, is the simple way to put it is, Um, your body's muscle building machinery just does not work as well when it is in a calorie deficit as when energy is abundant, because when you're in a calorie deficit, really what you're doing, right. Is your mild, it's mild starvation. And that's, that's exactly how the body responds to it because the body doesn't know that you have a plan. The body doesn't know that you're just going to restrict calories until you have abs. And then you're going to start feeding enough food. All it knows is it's not getting enough food. And if this continues for too long, it's going to die. And so it starts to use different physiological countermeasures, so to speak, to try to get you to eat more food, to move less, to try to eliminate that calorie deficit. And one of the, one of the, the physiological responses to a calorie deficit is it, it goes in almost like an energy triage mode where it goes, okay, energy is um, scarce and we need to prioritize the most important physiological processes so we can stay alive. And if we have some energy left over, then, you know, we're going to, what we might be able to get to some of these things lower on the list. Muscle building is lower on the list. This is also one of the reasons why women can lose their periods when they're restricting their calories. There's a point where again, the body it's, is not giving enough priority to, and, and the body's smart. It knows what it's doing. It's trying to stay alive, but menstruation kind of, it's not, it's not uh, top of the list. So that's, that's a, a simple explanation as to why that is. And so then when for us intermediates and advanced weightlifters, we have to do everything we can to grease the, 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 the cogs of the, of our muscle building machinery and the the most important or one of the most important things we can do diet wise is ensure we're not in a calorie deficit and of course the easiest way to do that is to just intentionally overeat a little bit and um so that i think that's a fair summary of of uh, my my what could be a longer winded answer to of, the question of, of course but he, here's another question so that 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 makes sense for somebody who's going into the gym going i want to build muscle what if you've got somebody who's been just losing weight? Like if, does it work the same way? Like if you've been losing weight for six months and, and so for me, I, I'm an expert at losing weight. I can lose 20 pounds this week if I want to, and it won't really be that hard. I mean, I, I realize that at the end of the week, it's going to be almost all water. And then if there's fat loss, it's going to be mixed with muscle loss too, like 30, 40% muscle loss with whatever fat I've lost over the week. And that I look at as damaging to my body. So I would never do that. But if I'm just concentrating on numbers on the scale, or I have been for a while, and I notice that my muscles aren't necessarily showing as I wanted them to. So that's when I changed my diet about a year ago. I increased, I maxed out my protein. I upped my carbs. I lowered my fats. I made sure that every day I was coming in under calories. And the changes 
that I saw were really radical, and I stopped seeing lean tissue loss on DEXA scans. The question I get asked over and over is, how do I continue to lose weight and build muscle? And my answer is, that's I don't do that, so I don't know. And we talked, and you said that you suspected I'd built a little bit of muscle, but I don't think that the the kind of musculature that I see is built muscle. I think it's more revealed muscle, if that makes yep. sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it, again, you're you're in a unique position because of how dramatically you've changed your body composition. Um, I would I would guess though that, like for example, a, a good indicator that you have gained muscle along the way would be your strength. So if you've seen a big jump in your whole body strength, like if you just looked at your estimated one RMs on your squat deadlift overhead press and press, and just as a, as a simple proxy for whole body strength, if you've seen that go up a lot, you've almost certainly gained muscle, uh, because you can get stronger without gaining much muscle. You see that in, in newbies in particular, but once you have, let's say that that's maybe your first two months or so max. And then from there, if you, if you're continuing to get stronger, you are gaining muscle. Um, but, but to answer your question is it's really a simple, uh, it's, it's a simple matter of, so if someone has been just focusing on restricting their calories, they've been losing fat, they've been maybe doing some cardio, maybe a little bit of resistance training, and it's been six months, let's say, and let's say they started with a lot of fat to lose and they go, okay, is it, did I miss my window? So to speak, like, is it, is it possible for me to, to gain muscle, even though I've been in a deficit now for, for six months? And, uh, the answer is yes, absolutely. They can. It's again, it's more, it's more a matter of, cause what they're going to experience is, um, it, even if they've been in a deficit for six months, which if they have, I, I would also, I, if that, if that person were coming to me, the first thing I would do is explain to them quickly about diet breaks and see if it might make sense to take a little break just to give their body and their, their mind a break, you know, Hey, let's, let's, let's bring your calories back up for, uh, a couple weeks and, 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 and then let's get back to it. Um, but there, it's not a, whether you can build muscle and lose fat at the same time, it's not a function of how long have you been in a deficit for it's, it's really just a function of how jacked are you, (laughs) how much muscle, how much muscle do you have? And, and the reason why I like the, the just kind of hard numbers for men and women is because it's actually based on what you would expect to, to see in about in the first year. And, and again, most people's newbie gains don't last about a year. It's, it's probably about six months, maybe, maybe eight months. Um, but that it's that quote unquote newbie gains phenomenon that, that allows you to build muscle and lose fat at the same time, or the less common scenario of the detrained person. But these are usually when, when I'm having this discussion, it's with someone new to resistance training or to proper resistance training. So there's also, I've, I've come across people who like you, what you're saying, so they've been cutting for a while, they started big and now they're, they're coming down, they're coming down and they actually have been doing some resistance training, but, uh, they, they haven't. And, and I understand with your point, that it's kind of hard to know exactly what's going on with your body composition. Are you gaining muscle? But, uh, coming back to that whole body strength, they haven't gotten too much stronger. So maybe they've been working, they've been doing some body weight stuff, or maybe they've been working with a trainer and they've been doing machines and, but, but the bottom line is they haven't gotten much stronger and their body is starting to get leaner and they see that 
Um, but I would say again that if they haven't gotten much stronger, that would indicate to me that there's probably still some some room for newbie gains if they were to start training properly, which really could be boiled down to um, doing, let's say anywhere, let's say somewhere in the beginning, probably like 10 to 12 hard sets per major muscle group per week, working with heavier weights, let's say 60 to maybe 80, 85% of one rep max to begin with taking uh, most of your sets close to technical failure, which is the point where your form starts to break down and resting a couple minutes in between sets. So if they start training like that, and I should also probably say focusing most of their efforts on the compound lifts, the lifts that that involve multiple joints and multiple major muscle groups. And sure, you can do some biceps curls and some side raises and some other stuff, but you really want to be focusing on increasing whole body strength. So if they if they transition into that style of training, in, they've been in a deficit for six months, they've been doing body weight or TRX or something else that hasn't really produced that much of a change in terms of their strength, then I would, I, if I were training that person, I would absolutely expect them to, to gain muscle uh, and continue to lose fat. And they may not see it like what you had mentioned because, you know, the, the just the, their, their, um, they haven't lost enough fat yet to really even see what they're working with. But I would expect to see dramatic increases in their 1RMs on those lifts. And I would know that the only way that's happening is with uh, at least some muscle gain. Right. I Yeah. For me, it's very tricky because, like, when I think about the, my, the max that I'm proudest of, I was so much heavier than I am now. And I, I couldn't do that today. But I was in a more more severe caloric restriction for a long time. And I would say that since I've started like really focusing on progressive overload and fine tuning my diet, I have noticed an increase of strength. But I am I don't think I'm anywhere near where I was 150 pounds ago. And that's to be expected. Remember, relative strength is when you really want to look at how strong is someone, you have to take into account their their body weight because there is a there is a relationship between just body weight and strength. There is. That's why when Mark Ripito comes on my podcast to to tease me about being too skinny with abs, he's like, "Dude, you want to be strong? You need to get up to like two thirty now." And, and even if, even if a fair amount of that were fat gain, if I did that and kept training hard, I would, I would, my numbers would, would, would shoot up quite a bit. And so uh, I'd be curious if you looked at that in terms of, um, percentage of body weight and what you're, what you were getting before for reps, uh, let's say for five reps or something versus now you might find that your relative strength is actually even better now. Right. Yeah. I, I probably would because. I, I just, I, I, I mean, the biggest shift I, I noticed in the gym was when I reintroduced carbohydrates or like I was above whatever I was doing. I think I was doing like 30 grams of carbs a day max, and it was almost entirely through uh, vegetables, which the fiber was probably wiping out some percentage of that. Um, and I went to, you know, around 200 grams of carbs a day. And I, and I, I felt like I was just, you know, sniffing cocaine all day. Practically. I was, I had so much more energy and everything in the gym skyrocketed. And, and I have been able to build on that. So I, I think you're probably right. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
I, I had another kind of a, like an aha question that I just thought of. We know that just a function that the body has of when it gains weight, it's not all fat. You know, you see a guy who's 500 pounds. Okay. Yes. The majority of that is probably fat, but we also know that lean tissue comes along with it. So people who are obese also have more muscle. So my question is, like you talked about muscle memory. If you go down um, in a severe caloric deficit, will are you able to get back that muscle that you lost that you didn't necessarily earn through lifting weights, but you earned just through a process of getting bigger and your body having to carry around this excess mass? Do you, does that make sense to you? Sure. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Uh, that's something that I think of others. Uh, there's a, a bit of research that might be relevant to that, but that's a, that's an, in, an interesting, uh, like little, little rabbit hole to, to, to run down. And I would say that probably because this, the stimulus for, for that muscle gain is, is also having to carry around a lot of weight like that. That's resistance. Right. <laughs> um, and so I, I don't believe, and I'm thinking of some overfeeding research that has been done. People have been, uh, they've eaten a ton of food to see how quickly uh, they could gain fat, for example, or, or, or how uh, certain macronutrients affect fat gain. And what you don't find, I don't believe, is, is any scenario where like if you were to just lie down, you sit in a bed all day and just eat food, you're going to gain a lot of fat and very little muscle. Right. Um, and, but if you're, if you're up and you're moving around and you're using your body, I mean, think about just raising your arm. If your arm weighs twice as much as it does now, that's resistance. Right. Yeah. And, and so I think fundamentally that, that actually helps illustrate like one of the reasons why the body responds the way that it does to resistance. And so I would say then if that's, if that's true, and I would think it almost certainly is that then fundamentally there's not that there's no difference between that muscle that you gained lifting barbells or lifting a lot of body fat and and some research suggests that the changes that occur to our muscles through training and we could say either of those things are training through uh, really what it comes down to right is it's like volume and progressive overload regardless of whether we are creating it kind of artificially in a gym or just organically through being uh, very overweight that those changes endure, we know for at least years, where there are actually fundamental physiological changes to the muscle cells themselves that that makes it easier to to uh, build them back up after they have atrophied. And and some research suggests that they may be permanent, which is pretty cool. What we're doing may allow us to always be able to stay fitter, easier, and get back to fit easier if if we fall out of it. So. I would think so. Yeah, I would think that in a in a in a funny kind of counterintuitive way that your your experience being very big is is going to make it uh, easier for you to get and stay jacked. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. I think when I think back to being five hundred plus pounds, I just I just go like, there's no way I'm going to confront a, a nine year plan where I'm losing a pound. You know. Yeah. a pound yeah. a week or whatever. And I know it would be more cause it's like, 
That wouldn't be appropriate. Though. Right. Anybody that would suggest that's not appropriate. Right. It's a percentage of your body mass. So it could even be up to like nine pounds healthy health or five, pounds, whatever mm-hmm. it is. It's much more. But I think there is a version where, you know, because all these things are different. I, I talked to, um, I talked to a guy and was talking about, uh, that I was really trying to mitigate muscle loss. And then I took a whole bunch of shit where people was like, that's not the way it works. You, you don't lose muscle. Your body burns fat. And I was like, well, look, dude, you haven't been dieting for 18 years. That's okay. That's fine for you to say you go run a marathon, have on a fasted marathon and you're telling me you don't burn any muscle. Okay, great. I've been dieting for 18 years and this is the only way I've figured out retaining muscle. And when I'm, I'm trying to be absolutist about this, which I don't love absolutes, but I want to see zero loss on the most comprehensive. And I want to see zero lean tissue loss. Like that's my goal right now. These are the, the fixed metrics that I have working for me because otherwise I'm just looking at numbers and not seeing a difference in the mirror. Does, does that make sense? Absolutely. And, and something to keep in mind is it's difficult to, to quantify actual lean tissue loss, because if you lose some water, if you lose some intramuscular water, if you lose some glycogen, right, form of carbohydrate stored in your muscle, if you lose some non-essential fat mass, some connective tissue that you lose as you lose fat, that stuff can register as lean mass lost, even in DEXA. And, and you might get bummed out going, shit, I just lost another five pounds of muscle, but not really. You didn't lose muscle tissue. You lost fluids. You lost stuff that could come back if you ate more carbs or if you got out of the calorie deficit. So that's also something to keep in mind. And that's one of the reasons why I really like to also pay attention to what's going on in the gym. If your workouts are good and you're maintaining your strength, not even gaining strength, if you're maintaining your strength on your big lifts then you're probably not losing much actual lean tissue to speak of. And where you usually see muscle loss being a a true cause for concern is is when somebody is lean looking to get really lean. So so if a guy's 10% or maybe a woman, she's like 20%. And and it's time to to get down to like shredded, then then that that's where it becomes a, a higher probability. And and depending on how lean they want to get, it can also just become an inevitability that there's there's if if, if you're preparing for a natural bodybuilding show, you're going to lose some muscle almost certainly a long way. It doesn't have to be much, but it just kind of when you got to get down to as a guy five percent body fat naturally, um, yeah, that's that that's rough. So, so again, in, in your case, I would just keep that in mind that even if you were to go all in and get like a four compartment body analysis, that, that might be what it would take to, to actually to, to, to go, did I, did I lose lean tissue or, or was it, uh, am I just, am I just carrying less water? I have, I have done that with those. Um, he, he, here's what I'll say. I have seen. I've done the four compartment body analysis okay. and, and when I was prior to kind of going like, I'm doing this too quickly, I had no knowledge of progressive overload. I was just a guy who went to the gym and lifted weights until my body was tired. I didn't, I didn't think about 
today is chest, tomorrow's back. I would walk into the gym and go, what do I feel like doing today? And that's what I would do. And I wasn't keeping track of anything. I was just going like, I should be hungry all day. Like those were my principles for dieting for a while. When I would start to go like, I want to check and see what's happening internally. I would see like 40% lean tissue loss. Yeah. And so that was, it was those numbers that were actually scaring me. Um, you know, if, if, if I would lose 20 pounds and eight of them were lean tissue, that's not just water. Yeah. A fair amount of it, a fair amount of it is going to be water. Cause remember there's also again, uh, glycogen that's stored in the muscle, but certainly, yeah, if you, you can, you can do it incorrectly enough to actually lose muscle tissue for sure. Right. Yeah. And so my point was really just, there are ways to mitigate this and, and it hasn't been perfect, but I have, and I have seen it where I've gone from, you know, 220 pounds of lean tissue to 218 pounds of lean tissue back to 220 over the course of three scans. And I've gone like, wow, I wonder what that was, but it was, that was probably water. Um, but the, the fat continues to go down and down and down. Um, which is good. And, 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 you know, you're, you're doing the right things. You're using a moderate uh, calorie deficit. You're eating enough protein. You're not overdoing it on the cardio. You're lifting, you're lifting heavy. Uh, you're probably taking some diet breaks uh, every so often where you just kind of give your body a break. So you're doing everything you can. And, and something else to keep in mind, I'd mentioned this, this earlier is if you do lose some lean, actual lean tissue along the way, then you can just take solace in the, in the knowledge that once you come out of the calorie deficit, whatever you lost is going to come back quickly and you're going to have a fun time. Like the, probably the first two months of your, of your maintenance when you're done cutting uh, are going to be fun because you're going to have more energy in your, in your workouts. You're going to see your, your, your numbers jump up. You're going to certainly gain some, some muscle, gain whatever muscle you might've lost back. And so there's a payoff. There is a payoff. Yeah. And I, I got, I got to be honest with you, the, the idea that there is a potential for muscle memory in just being obese, but not necessarily strictly sedentary. So whatever lean mass was there might be slightly easier to, to get back um, once lost, that's another little carrot that I hadn't really been thinking about. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, again, I don't see any I don't see any reason why that wouldn't be the case because the muscle that was gained was gained in the same fundamental way. I mean, the 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 the, the mechanical drivers were the same. It just was you weren't squatting with a barbell on your back, but you were squatting a lot of weight to like get out of a chair, for example. I mean, think about the, the it required a lot of strength to move that big body around. Right. And so as far as your recommendations go for somebody who who comes to this going, I just want to I, I just want to diet or they've been dieting for a while um, and they're maybe fine tuning their goals is just maybe going a little bit deeper into like the ideas of progressive overload and taking diet breaks and, and that uh, enough to kind of um, deal with the idea that you want to be building muscle while losing fat. Yeah. I think a good way to look at it is where are you in your journey and where would you like to be? And the approach does need to change. So if you're a guy, let's say at at 30 plus percent body fat, um, and if you're a woman at, let's say the equivalent might be about 40% plus, you have a lot of, you have a lot of fat to lose, then you can you can get away with, for example, a larger calorie deficit than you would be able to if you were a lot leaner. Um, you are actually more resistant to losing muscle, regardless of of what you do in the gym, because your body hasn't has a surplus of of energy available in the form of body fat. And uh, let's say then, and this I'm speaking from experience, having worked with a lot of people who started in that, uh, let's say around that that the, those points. For, for uh, the first big milestone that guys seem to want to work toward is probably about 15% body fat, which is when your abs start showing and all your muscles start to take shape. You no longer look like a fat guy, for sure, at 15%. And for women, um, maybe 25%, let's say. It's probably about the equivalent, right? That's a, that's a big milestone. And so to, to that's, that's, I think, the, the, the first kind of brass ring that we want to reach for. And to get there, it, it really is just a, a diligent application of the fundamentals. And, you know, it's, it's, it's using energy balance properly, using a moderately aggressive but not reckless calorie deficit, looking to lose somewhere around 1% of your body weight per week is, is a good rule of thumb eating enough protein. And as far as diet breaks go, a simple um, rule of thumb is if you are starting out quite overweight, you, you probably don't need to do it more than maybe once every two or three months. As you get leaner, you want to be taking short breaks more often. And um, so it, it really, should probably, it, it's kind of a, a just a nice linear um, straightforward journey to that 15% and the, the, the equivalent in, in women would probably be again, about 25 and in the gym. Yep. It's just focusing on, again, it's, it's, there's progressive overload, which is increasing mechanical tension, uh, in your muscles. Uh, you want your muscles to be, um, 
producing more and more tension over time. The bottom line is the simplest and the most effective way to accomplish this is to get stronger, to add weight to the bar, force your muscles to use heavier weights. And that's one part of it. You also then have the volume, which you want to make sure that you're doing enough work in the gym. And a simple rule of thumb there is uh, for, for people who are relatively new to proper weightlifting, somewhere around 10 to 12 working sets, hard sets, muscle building sets, there are different terms for this, per major muscle group per week. So you can look at the major muscle groups like your chest and your back and your arms and your legs is, is a, and, and throw in the shoulders too. Some people, even women in particular, like to focus on the glutes as well. Um, but you have a program that has you doing enough volume for all the major muscle groups that you care about. And uh, frequency is not as important as volume. It's more a tool that you use to hit your volume. So whether you get those nine or 10 sets done in one workout or two or three doesn't really matter that much. Uh, make it work however you want. It depends on what kind of split you like. You could look into upper-lower split. You could look into a push-pull leg split. You could look into full body. You could look into body part. That's not too important. Um, and so you, you just apply those and then, and a few other things I'd mentioned about how much weight to use in terms of one rep max and making sure you're resting enough. And then a lot of it is just playing the patience game and understanding that if you want to do it healthily and you want to do it in a way that's sustainable and that it's going to last, then you don't want to try to rush it. And, you know, I'm sure that you've spoken a lot about that because you have firsthand experience there. And, and then when you want to get from 15% to 10%, if you're a guy or 25 to 20, it changes a little bit in that now the rate of weight loss or rate of fat loss is going to slow down. You are at a higher risk of losing muscle and you, um, are, you really, you really don't change too much. Some people that they actually will go with a slight smaller calorie deficit. So if someone is, is has a lot of fat to lose, they might be able to get, get away with a 25% calorie deficit and just cruise. I wouldn't recommend that for a guy who's like 12% body fat wanting to get leaner. He might need to go 15% because if you go too aggressive, increase the likelihood of, of losing muscle. Especially Have, if you are over-muscled, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So in the, that's particularly true. Yeah. If, when you get down there and if, you, if you're a guy and you've gained at least 25-ish pounds of muscle, which now you are certainly more muscular than the average person then yeah you're at a, you're at a you're at a, a higher risk to to lose muscle if you if you go about it incorrectly um but if you if you go about it correctly again it's 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 just patience and taking diet breaks once probably every 4 to 6 weeks is a good rule of thumb and for anybody wondering okay what's a diet break yeah I, I wanted is, to define this because this I think is very important yeah. Yeah. Real simple is bringing your calories up to around maintenance, your, your, your calculated maintenance calories. You can go 90% or so because you figured that your, your actual calorie expenditure may be a little bit lower than, than what you are, what you're calculating, but you know, up, you want to bring your calories back up to around maintenance for about a week or so that the five to seven days is, is usually like gets the job done. And the best way to do that is to, to, to raise your carbs. And one of the reasons for that is carbohydrates affect uh, a hormone called leptin more than protein and fat. And that's a hormone that tells the body that energy is abundant. It, it, it results in fullness 
and it's actually produced by by body fat. So as you get leaner, your body just naturally has less leptin, and that's one of the ways that your body knows that uh, that energy is 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 scarce, and it 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 responds to lowered leptin levels in various. Uh, from our perspective, negative ways, unwanted ways. So it's also, it's nice when you take a diet break, you bring your calories back up. So you, you take that stressor off the body. And if you just, if you just mostly increase your carbs, you also are going to temporarily increase leptin levels, which again, it, it gives the body a positive signal. And you then you you feel you feel different. You feel better. Like you had mentioned, it's one of probably one of the reasons when you start eating carbs uh, when when your leptin levels are at a at a higher level, you just feel a bit better, especially especially in the gym, and 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 that's and that's really it. And it's it's probably also worth mentioning um, again, coming back to maintenance and knowing what your goal is, and that that is the the big reward is when you get to the point when you look in the mirror and you're happy with what you see, and you now are. Uh, looking to maintain uh, regard uh, and not and not continue to cut because now your options open up. You don't have to be as strict on your diet. You don't have to even follow an exact meal plan if you don't want to. You can do different things in the gym if you want to try different things that may not be optimal from a uh, from the perspective of of muscle hypertrophy or or strength gain, but they just sound like fun to you. You you can do that without maybe having the feeling guilty that you should be doing something else. Right. So, so that's, I think the, the, the bigger, the bigger picture. And if, Hey, if you want to, and if you get to that point maintenance and then you're like, cool, I'm ready to, to lean bulk again. I want to see if I can, if I can get the last bit of muscle and strength that's available to me genetically, um, then, then you can do that as well. Yeah. I think that there are a few key things that you, you talked about and, and obviously everybody's different. So people could be coming at this from uh, many different places. If there's a dude who had maybe 10 to 15 pounds of fat to lose and wanted to build muscle, he's on a totally different program than a guy like me who had to lose more than I weigh now in fat and, and, you know, I'm dealing with a, a whole host of other uh, mental things and, 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 and physical things that, that I have to maybe think about in a different way. So like a diet break to me 10 years ago would have meant, well, you're not dieting. You are back to eating how you were prior to dieting. And to a guy, to me now, uh, diet break means, I'm basically eating exactly the same way that I do on a diet. However, I have increased my carbohydrates. That is exactly my, I've actually also increased my fats a little bit too. Which um, is fine. Nothing wrong. With yeah. That. But it's not, I still don't eat cheese. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, I've, I've added basically an avocado and another couple of cups of rice or, you know, sweet potatoes to my diet every day. That's like, that's my diet break. But other than that, it is pretty much the same. Um, that's exactly what I do too. I take the stuff I eat. I usually I'm just increasing the portions cause I'm eating stuff I like anyway. So uh, that that's, that's a very simple way to go about it. 
And, you know, one other thing, just a psychological component that I think is worth mentioning is when you have that, when you have a lot of work ahead of you, and this applies to, to work, applies to anything that you got to put a lot of effort into, I think it helps in the beginning to you have your goal, you have your plan, and 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 then you, you kind of push that stuff aside and you focus on doing what you're doing. But if you, you also then be cognizant, you're also should be cognizant of how far you've come. Try not to look at what you still have left, how far you still have to go, because it can be demotivating. It's much more motivating, I think, to look back at what you've accomplished so far. Even if, let's say you have 200 pounds to lose and you're down 20 pounds, don't think, I have another 180 pounds to go. No, look at the 20 pounds. You've, You've already lost 20 pounds and that shows that you're committed to this and you're putting in the work. And then that 20 turns into 30. That's great. Again, kind of intentionally avoiding the, the what it's going to take to get to your goal. And then once you've passed probably the halfway mark, certainly when you're in, when you're now 60 or 70% of the way there, I like to flip it around the other way now because I find it more motivating to look at, hey, we're almost there. You, you've you've lost now, let's say again, let's say you've, you've lost 150 pounds and you only have 50 pounds to go, then flipping it, flipping it and kind of reframing where you're at can can also help you just stay in the mindset of moving forward. Yeah, that's a really good point because I, I can the for me, the biggest milestone and the and and one of the markers that I never reverted past or or even really a- approached was my first 80 pounds and i i got to my first 80 pounds and took a version of a diet break it was definitely not uh eat whatever you want i was still definitely on a diet but the diet changed at that point and and i remember being scared and and weighing in and going and and I I didn't do the calculation because that calculation would have been overwhelming at the time, but I hadn't even lost a third of the weight I needed to lose. And it was 80 pounds. But the fact that I had lost 80 pounds was something I could hold on to. And it, it meant a lot. And I just moved forward from there. So I think you're absolutely right on that. It, it, it's, it's, um, you, you want to battle the, the wins and you don't want to necessarily, always be confronting the whole war you want to take it take these these victories as victories i i totally agree i mean i experienced that i use that like uh, intentionally in in writing books for example because you're at the beginning of a of a of a project even if it's something i want to do and i'm looking forward to it it's a lot of work that that is going to take a lot of time to to get through the project, and then I'm always wanting to move on to the next project. And so it's been it's been useful for me not just in the gym, but also in in my work too. If I'm working towards something, especially something like writing, where hours can go by, if especially if if you're still kind of in the researching phase and noodling ideas and and trying to put that first draft down, hours can go by. And you're like, cool. So what did I get done? And you you got like 200 words down on a page. <laughs> and so uh, it, it it helps with 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 anything that is that has that long kind of grind component to it. To to again push aside what you still have left and just look at 
the progress that you've made and pat yourself on the back for that. And, and you do that enough and then you get on the other side of that hill and now you're on the downswing and then you can ride that out uh, psychologically by, by saying, Hey, I, I see the, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, if you are driving home and you have the urge to go to McDonald's and, and you don't do that, that's a win. You, you won. That was a little battle that you should pat yourself on the back over. I mean, look, maybe it's, maybe McDonald's is part of your plan and that's fine. And, and you're actually withholding something you don't need to be hold, withholding too. I, I don't know. I'm just saying like, whatever your plan is, every time you stick to it, um, and, and it, and you put effort into sticking to it, I think that's a valid reason. And obviously don't ref- reward yourself by deviating from the plan, but you gotta be, you gotta be willing to take those victories when you can, because they're there to take. Oh, I totally agree. It's, it's that, it's that cliched, but, but true statement about treating yourself like you would treat uh, a good friend or someone you love. Right. And so part of that is, is complimenting good actions, right. And not always, not always giving into the very human impulse to criticize our ourselves and to give in to negative self-talk. And it's important to also look at what we do well. And I think the more we put attention on that, the more we will get that naturally, the more drawn we will be to uh, doing more uh, actions that align with our plans and align with our goals. But if we don't do that and we just wait for ourselves to mess up and then, and then, uh, dog pile on ourselves for it, it, I think it actually increases the likelihood that we will continue to to mess up. So there is that point of, and I know it's kind of cheesy and it's very Instagram captiony, but being willing to for to forgive our to forgive ourselves for making mistakes and not getting caught and stuck in in negative uh, behavior patterns simply because we made a mistake or maybe we made the same same mistake several times. And, you know, that's, that's just part of the journey and learning how to deal with, um, that's part of, I guess you'd say the, the psychological side, right. Of, of getting and staying fit. Yeah. I love that. I had one other question from something you mentioned a bit ago and, and, and I've read about this hormone, but I have never asked or even looked into it is, can you take leptin as a supplement? No, not as a supplement. I believe it's, it's used in, in the, the scientific community and it's possible you might be able to get it. It'd be very expensive though. It's not, it's really, it's not a, it's not practical. You can't buy it at GNC. No, no. (laughs) Has anybody thought about doing that? Or, or uh, just like getting it into the body is too difficult. It's not something you could take in a capsule. Yeah, I believe I believe it's injected, like in in research. So it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a capsule, and it's also not a hormone that you would want to 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 just inject willy nilly. Um, because, like for example, we know that in in this is seen in overweight people where leptin levels are very high, higher than, than normal, because again, it's produced by body fat. So you have a lot of body fat, your leptin levels are high, but your cells can become resistant. So it's called leptin resistance, mm. just like how your cells, just how, how your body can become resistant to insulin's effects. 
and that, you know, that's now you have type two diabetes if that gets out of hand and, and that, that disease can kill you. And so similarly, if you, if you went buck wild with leptin or didn't know what you were doing, you could create some pretty serious problems. So that's, um, for me, it's not, not something I've ever even explored because the potential rewards I think are outweighed by, outweighed by the cost and, and the risks. Yeah, and again, means- I don't even know if it's available. I don't even know if you could get it in some one of these, you know, shady online where you buy all kinds of drugs. I, I'm, I don't think you can even get it. Um, but even if you could, I, I wouldn't recommend it. And that's my general recommendation of any any body comp, any drugs that purport to enhance your body composition, other than let's say caffeine and ephedrine. Um, I, my general recommendation is stay away from them. Anabolics, cutting drugs like Clen, uh, especially DNP, um, is in my opinion, the, the risks just don't warrant the, the, the rewards unless you're getting paid a lot of money to do it. Uh, so, you know, if you're a, an athlete and the only way to really remain competitive at the top of your sport is to take anabolics. Okay. And that's your entire livelihood. I understand that. If you're an actor and you're not very muscular and someone comes to you and says, you need to gain 30 pounds of muscle in the next three months and you're going to be the next Marvel superhero. And you're like, cool, there's one way to do that. And I'm going to do it. <laughs> like, I understand that. But for those of us who are, uh, you know, normal people who just want to look good, feel good and do this for the long haul and have uh, also a, a increase, uh, maximize our chances of, of, of being healthy later in life, I think it's, it's smartest to just stay away from, from the drugs altogether. Yeah. I, I guess I wasn't thinking about it in those terms. I, I have a kid who's got type one diabetes. And so she's been on insulin for over 10 years. And the very first time I heard of bodybuilders using insulin, I was more beyond mortified. I was like, that is the craziest thing you can just die doing that. Yep. Um, so, yes, if it's doing stuff like that in the body, I, 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 I don't think it's necessary. I was really just thinking, like, God, what a you could skip diet breaks and just go straight down if your leptin didn't get depleted. How do we fix that? Take a pill, yeah. but, but I guess yeah. it's, not, it's, it's not so really. Simple. If if that was the for for someone, it's funny sometimes. I, I get asked about SARMs fairly often, right? And and my standard answer is what I kind of just explained. I don't know what SARMs are. What's SARMs? Uh, so so they are anabolic steroid like drugs that that have let's just say lower side effects and. Um, they're able to target tissues more specifically, uh, and like the organic they, steroids. No, no, they're just a different type of drug. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and they're not as powerful as, as your core anabolics, but they do, they do, they still have side effects, but they tend to have lower side effects. And, and so people will ask me, Oh, you know, should I, should I take SARMs? And I explain what I just explained, but I also say, and if, if you're going to, if, if you're just going to take drugs, regardless, like if what I just said, didn't convince you to not take drugs, to try to, to try to build more muscle or, or get leaner, then I would say, just go with testosterone, go with the devil. We know not the one we don't Right? testosterone has a lot of research. And if, if you, if you jack up your testosterone levels to super physiological levels, which is what you need to do to really see a difference it's not good and there are side effects and I don't recommend it, but 
I'd rather you do that than use these drugs, SARMs, that have very little research. And in some cases, the research that we have is disturbing, like uh, tumors in mice and stuff. Um, and, and we really kind of don't know. We have a lot of case studies, I guess, going on right now. And, and people who people are out there who, who know quite a bit about, about these drugs and how they interact in, in, in our bodies would make arguments why they're totally safe. But I would say that the, the, the literature is not on their side. What we do have in some cases, again, would, would suggest that we should not be using these drugs. And in some cases, we just have very little evidence whatsoever. And so similarly with something like leptin, if we're talking about maintain, like not having a diet break and just having an, a, an easy time cutting, again, if somebody were going to, if they were insistent, they're like, Mike, I'm going to use a drug. You can't stop me. What would you recommend? Not leptin. Uh, again, not leptin. No, I'd say t- fine. Testosterone then, especially if it's a guy. Testosterone. There you go. If you want to have an easy time building muscle and, and, and retaining muscle when you're cutting testosterone but but again it's not me endorsing it uh, just putting it in perspective you know right right amazing from everything i've read it seems that outside of actual bodybuilding and you know obviously there are some people with crazy hormone imbalances and certain autoimmune diseases but really it is just a lot of hard work over a long period of time and you're going to get results. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, this is again to put uh, to put some some hard numbers to it to give people realistic expectations and and um, I think to to give them a very clear picture of of where they can go. So most guys uh, start from from where they start, they can gain anywhere from let's say forty to fifty pounds of muscle total. Period in their lifetime, regardless of what they do. Now, some guys can maybe gain maybe a, a little bit more naturally. I'm talking about naturally than 50, but that'd be a very high responder. That'd be a guy who probably has always been jacked, uh, basically probably has bigger bones. Um, I forget his name. There was a bodybuilder I came across and he it'd be, I have a hard time believing he's still natural, but one of the best pieces of evidence for him being natural is when he was 13, he was literally more jacked than I was. 13, he was more jacked than I was at 20 after like a year and a half, two years of improper weightlifting. He wow. was bigger and leaner at 13. So it's not surprising that that dude, you look, you would see that and you'd be like, you, you should get into lifting weights or something and you will be an absolute monster. Right. Look at, look at like uh, Ronnie Coleman when he was a teenager. He was huge. And he openly talked about his steroid use. I mean, he said he started using steroids when he was 23. And I don't know why he would lie about when he started using them. And if you go look at how big he was when he was 22, right before he says he started using steroids, I mean, dude, he makes me look small. I mean, Ronnie Coleman is a real strange one. I, I just recently was doing comparisons between him and Schwarzenegger and like Schwarzenegger looks like a chump next to him. And, and I don't yeah, I mean, mean that. Ronnie would get on stage at like 300 pounds shredded. <laughs> it's insane. Insane. But, but for most guys, if we look at the middle of the bell curve here, it's going to be 40 to 50 pounds of muscle. And for most women, it's about half of that. Let's say 20 to 25, maybe 30 pounds of muscle. And in their first year, you're going to gain, if you're a guy, you can gain anywhere from, let's say 15 to 20 is probably a fair uh, a, f- a fair target for for most guys, 
And then in, in the, and for most women, it's about half that. In the next year, uh, it is about half of your first year gains. So if you're a guy, let's say 10 to 12, maybe, maybe 13 pounds of muscle in your second year. If you're women, if you're a woman, it's about half that. Your third year is about half of that. Now you're looking at probably six pounds, maybe, maybe seven, maybe eight, something like that. If you're a guy, uh, three, four, five, if you're a woman, and then it's about half, and then it kind of just peters out to nothing from, from there. And so again, if you add all those together, you can you can look at that in a few different ways, uh, but it, it comes out to about 40 to 50 pounds of muscle gain if you're a guy and about half that if you're a woman. Now, if anybody hears that and they're just in, in that it's discouraging, remember what we're talking about though. Think of a 16 ounce steak and like slap that somewhere on your body. That's a pound of muscle, right? And and now now think of forty to fifty of those stakes all all around your body. You, you are big, you are very big, and 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 that's I'd say probably bigger. You 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 reach the top of that. That's probably bigger than than most guys. Like they might see it and they'd be like, I guess that yeah, that would be cool. But in my experience working with a lot of men and women. Most guys really start to become happy with their physiques after their first probably 30-ish pounds of muscle gain. They get their body fat down in the range of 10 to 15%, and they look awesome. They look like they look like superheroes. Yeah, and, I, I think of know? it I, – I totally, I totally know what you're saying. I just – my perspective on it is completely different just because I've not done a proper I'm going to gain muscle now. Do you know, oh, yeah. do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've only, yeah, totally. I've only done like a, a kind of dieting and to, to lose weight and, uh, uh, and fuck it. I'm not, I'm giving up, but I'll still go to the gym and just insane weight gain, which isn't, that's not calculated. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's not, that's not even what you're talking about really. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally get it. Cause again, like you, like you've mentioned that by being very large, you actually gained quite a bit of muscle just, just being large. And so you, you went about it in a kind of circuitous, uh, unusual way. And so I guess in the end though, right, it's about what do you really, what, let's, let's boil it down. It's what do you see in the mirror? How do you look with your clothes? Like, how do they fit? How do you feel? And, and ultimately you're going to get there, even though you, you didn't do it in, in, in a, I would say just kind of normal everyday linear oh look uh, a skinny guy started lifting weights and now he's a big guy cool uh, but in the end it's it's all that really matters is did you reach the the final destination and and that's going to be how do you look and how do you feel how can you perform and so you certainly are not you're you're not missing out on anything in terms of being able to reach that uh, that, that goal, it's just, you're getting, you're getting there, uh, differently than, than, than other guys. Yeah. And, and I think when I do go, because I do plan on doing a massing phase, when I do that, I'm, I'm going to be looking for four to five pounds. Like that's going to be just that to, sounds reasonable. just to yeah. do it. Like, that's what I'll do. My, my question through all of this is if you got somebody who's got a lot of fat to lose uh, in excess of a hundred pounds. Do you recommend going quickly down and then building muscle or going down slowly or quickly at first and then honing it? Like 
what what would be the balance in there? Are you going to look for? Do you get what I'm saying? Totally. Yeah, I, I think it's and this is in line with the weight loss literature. I think it's it's completely reasonable to go a bit faster in the beginning. Again, really, that comes down to is the size of the calorie deficit, right? And so, so somebody if they have a lot of weight to lose can get away with. Uh, probably a 25% deficit, maybe even a 30% deficit. Now, I wouldn't recommend this, but here's an extreme example. There was a case study uh, that was done, I believe it came out of Ireland, but I I read it some time ago, so I might be remembering that detail wrong. But the guy was 400 plus pounds, and the case study was, it was medically supervised, obviously, but he ate no food for a year. What? He had, yep, no food. They, 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 he got water and they gave him, um, the nutrients that he needs intravenously to survive no food, not a single bite of food for a year. And he lost 200 plus pounds. He cut his body weight in half (laughs) in a year and ate no food. So that's an extreme example though, of, of how resilient the human body is and what it's actually capable of. Now, with the nutrients, do we know, like, I've got to imagine that's some protein, some carbs, like, are we no, talking? No, it was no, no calories. No, no cal- calories. Oh, my God. No, no, God. It, was, it was, like, actually essential vitamins, minerals, the stuff that you need to stay alive. Wow. Yeah. And for for all the body's energy needs, it just went to its fat stores. And and his body composition wasn't wasn't devastated either in the, in, in the way that you might think. And again, that's not a, of course, that's not the way to go about it. That's just a very interesting case study. Um, and so you, you certainly can be more aggressive with your calorie deficit. Again, 25%, even 30%. If, if you have, uh, yes, if you, if you have 100 plus pounds of fat to lose, but as you get leaner, um, you, you, there is a point where you need to, to rein that in a bit. And again, if you look at it in terms of percentage of body weight uh, per week, the the average recommendation is 1%, right? But really, that's a range that can go as high as 2%, which is more what I'm talking about. Somebody who has a lot of weight to lose could safely go as high as 2% of body weight per week. And then it goes down to like a half a percent per week in the case of a guy at 10% trying to get super lean. He doesn't even necessarily want to lose 1% of his body weight per week. Right. And so um, I think that it, it very it, it, it is a safe, effective, and I'd say maximally gratifying approach to, to go for the bigger numbers when you have a lot more to lose, which then it, it gets that flywheel turning, right? Where you start to feel like you're building momentum and you get inertia on your side and and you get to look back on oh how much weight have i lost oh and, and it's stacking up you know week after week and that's motivating um but i would say as a as a guy once you once you cross that probably 20% body fat threshold um it it's probably more appropriate to to dial your calorie deficit back to target for a, about 1% of your body weight lost per week and for women Let's say that that's about thirty percent body fat would be the the equivalent threshold. But if you're above that as a guy, if you're if you're thirty plus percent body fat as a guy, or if you're forty plus percent as a woman, uh, it is I think perfect perfectly reasonable to to target for that higher two percent of body weight per week 
Um, and, and then, and then you can train your muscles all along the way. Again, I've had this discussion with many people where they'll ask that, like, should I just, you know, work on losing the fat? Should I just not eat a lot of food, maybe go on some walks or, or, and then wait to, to lift weights. And I would say that there's no reason, um, so long as there's no medical reason to not, as long as it's not contraindicated in some way, you start training your muscles right away. Now, I've again, I've spoken with some people who who had a lot of weight to lose, and I understand that it's not it, it's not practical for them to to just go get under a barbell and start squatting. That's totally fine. Um, one, I definitely would include some cardio, even if it's just walking. And then two, let's do something to train muscles. If you can get in the gym and just do a normal resistance training program, great, do that. If you can't, if certain exercises don't work or for whatever reason, then that doesn't work for you. Can you do some machines instead? Can we do some dumbbell work? Can we do some even body weight work? And the reason why is, is research shows that if we want to maximize fat loss, combining resistance training and cardio is the way to go. So you're going to lose max, you use the maximum amount of fat and you are going to not only not lose muscle, but you will gain muscle, even if you don't see it because what you see in the mirror is a slight is a is a slowly shrinking body, but it, again, you are going to gain muscle. There's no reason to wait uh, on that. You might as well just do it now, and then when you do get down to that that target body fat range, you're gonna be able to enjoy the the fruits of all that labor. Whereas if you didn't train your muscles and you just focused on getting rid of the fat first, that's fine. You will get rid of the fat, and you might lose some muscle along the way. But now you're just going to have to do that work anyway. And I guess you could argue that it's going to be easier or more enjoyable if you started at a lower body weight. And that's, I'd say, up to the individual. If, if they feel very strongly about that, maybe they, they feel too self-conscious to get in the gym and they want, to, they want to wait until they're at a certain body weight before they get in the gym and lift weights. Totally understandable. I still would ask them if they wouldn't want to do maybe some body weight stuff at home, something they can do to just train their muscles. But uh, again, I'd say that's more just a that's a, a point of mm, the the person's individual psychology, you know. Hundred percent. I I I don't know that that ever goes away either. I'm thirteen percent body fat right now, and and like with calipers, I'm even lower than that. Um, and I still can't walk into a gym like the gym that I go to every day when it's open you know, and I'm tapping wood that it will open again, but that gym that I'm super comfortable in, I don't have any problem walking in there. I don't have a second thought, but I go there every single day and I generally see the same people there every single day. But day one, it's like the first day of school. I can't, I am utterly self-conscious walking in there. And then reminding myself of form and like not wanting to be the guy who's stuck under the barbell and like <laughs> you know suddenly I'm I'm rethinking my ability to lift 225 for a bunch of reps and going and then and then I do it and I'm like oh this isn't even heavy do you know what I mean but I think I, it's a normal reaction I think there's even something healthy to it to, to forcing ourselves to do things that are uncomfortable I mean that that's that's uh, just an, a necessary, maybe, maybe, maybe we don't have to call it a, a skill, but that's a component of, of, a, uh, uh, of any, uh, of accomplishment, regardless of what we're talking about the gym or, 
um, or, or reaching outside of your comfort zone in your career to maybe in your case, I'm sure you've experienced over the years where you, you maybe you were doing an audition or something where it just, for whatever reason, you were, you didn't feel in the zone. Uh, you weren't calm or confident. And I, and I think that the more we expose ourselves to those situations, I think that, that there's a positive element to that. I've actually intentionally sometimes just, just sought something out to, to get, uh, to add a little bit of entropy to my life. Like if everything gets too orderly and too easy and too comfortable, I think that, uh, we, we are, we're, we're missing out on, on, on other opportunities, maybe to, uh, even if it's just expand our, our experience of, of being alive, but then also we, we maybe are setting ourselves up for not being able to adapt to changing circumstances that because nothing stays the same, right? These things are either getting better or they're getting worse. And so if, if our nice little orderly life gets disordered in some way outside of our control, I think if we've been stuck like that for too long, we're more likely to get, to get dismayed by it and we're less likely to be able to deal with it skillfully and effectively than if we are doing things that require us to learn new skills and to um, not not be the the not not be able to just rely on our on our already uh, on the knowledge that we've gained and and the talents that we have. You know, I, I think of I played ice hockey when I was younger. And I got back into it a couple of years ago when I was in Florida. Now, now I'm in Virginia and I haven't, I was, I only have so much time I want to give to random things. And so I dropped it. But in, in Florida, it was, it was interesting. It was an interesting experience to get back into skating. Cause when I was younger, when I stopped playing, I was pretty good. Now in the scheme of things, I was fine, whatever, but in the, 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 the tier that I was playing in, I was one of the better players. I was very comfortable Everybody on my team liked me because I scored a lot of goals and, and then I get out of that and I get back into it and I can't skate for shit. I can't do anything. I'm useless. And, and I'm out there now skating with people who played in college. Some of these people, even there, in one case, there was a, he's a bit older, but he played professionally and I was an actual joke. And, and I just embraced <laughs> it. This is, this is me reminding myself, like, this is a good experience, Mike. Like, this is you going, this is going outside of, you know, this is not now in the gym talking with your buddies where you can lift weight and, and, and you have, you have muscles or, or, or even doing work where, you know, exactly, you know what I mean? I, I just think there's something, there's some, there, there's something positive to, to, to being able to become comfortable with being just uncomfortable and feeling embarrassed and being able to, I mean, for me, how I dealt with it is just humor. I just laughed at myself. Like, I'm not going to take myself seriously. Like, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do things that when I was 15 were easy and I'm falling and uh, it, it, it was, it was, it was funny. And people appreciated that, that I didn't take myself seriously and I was able to joke about it. But um, I think, I think there is, there is something positive in those types of experiences. I do too. I think it's really valuable uh, and, and, and almost the pursuit of discomfort because, you know, from again, for me, just coming from my perspective, nothing was more comfortable than sitting in a comfy chair, watching TV, having food delivered to my house or going to a drive through. That's comfortable. That's easy. It was kind of um, 
looking to make myself discomfort or experience pain and obviously not too much because you don't want to break yourself and you got to do it just to the point where you can continue doing it. Um, but to actually look for that point and get close to that point and then do it again and again and create a habit out of that. And suddenly, you know, the first day back at the gym, I don't care who you are. It sucks. Uh, if you haven't been in a while, um, you're going to get sore. It's not going to be fun. You're not going to feel strong. So the first day, if you've never gone is gonna suck. Um, don't break yourself and keep going. And now, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like scared for the gyms to open again because I've been doing a whole other program that I'm like, suddenly like worried is it going to be like day one? Now, I don't think it will because I'm doing a ton of work at my house. Um, and so I think I'm mitigating that. But like just the routine of going somewhere and being accountable at another place to myself, it's going to be a little bit of that day one at school vibe again for a minute. And I'll just have to recreate that habit. But the habit is really nice. Exercise as a habit hasn't gone away. Going to the gym as a habit has, but that's been forced upon me. That's not my determin My determination didn't keep me away from the gym, you know, uh, though I'm sure it would have um, at this point. But uh, I think that that's really important. What What you said is to kind of search out the discomfort, change it up. And that's what I keep going to under these circumstances is, well, I was in a routine and this definitely shakes up. This is uncomfortable to my routine. So that's a good thing. Yeah. I think there's power when you, when you, when when you're able to just say, fuck it, I'm doing it. It, You know what I mean? That's what it it comes down to, right? Like, yeah, it's going to, it's going to suck. It's going to be annoying, but fuck it. I'm doing it. And if you can do that, there's power in that. It it, it sounds it sounds crude or or, or uh, uh, maybe kind of Mark Mark Manson e, but but I but I think there's I think there's actually there is value to being able to get into that mindset, right? Yeah, I do and, too. And 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 when you do things like this, like you're talking about, and well, something also to keep in mind for people who are new um, to to working out or or about to get into it, about to get into the gym, maybe for the first time, is most people in this are in the gym are just looking at themselves. They don't even see any anybody else in the gym. They are hyper focused on themselves, uh, taking selfies and and we're just looking at themselves in the mirror. And then when you get to know people, and this is this really is the universal experience where you thought at first maybe someone was judging you or or was just unfriendly and you get to know them. And that wasn't the case at all. Uh, the, the, you end up making friends in the gym and, you know, I've heard from quite a few women over the years, more so than men who are intimidated in the beginning because the gym was often, especially the, wherever the free weights were, it was often a lot of guys and, um, they didn't want to be there on one hand, they didn't want to be like, ogled or because it's it's kind of awkward and then and then they also if they're if they're out of shape they didn't want guys looking at them thinking that they're out of shape and but but uh one for one what what has happened is is and this is again more with women that i've heard this story but it applies equally to men is they get in there and they do the work and and they start to to 
talk to the, to to some of the people there and they find out like these are actually normal people, nice people, people who are many of them, even the fittest ones once in the same place. Like when they started, they, they didn't go from their, like, uh, they didn't, they didn't go from, I don't know, the, the, the high school football team into the gym. Like they were once very out of shape themselves. So they actually totally empathize where, uh, the the new person is at and they admire that they're in there and they're doing it right like a lot of women have had uh, uh guys that, again where they was a bit uncomfortable and and but along the way in, in not a weird way but genuinely compliment them for uh squatting and deadlifting and bench pressing and how strong they're getting and they become one of the true you quickly become part of the tribe if you just start sh- showing up and doing the work and doing it properly. Forget about ego lifting. It doesn't matter how much weight's on the bar. It's using proper form. It's it's using proper programming. And people then they also see the change that's occurring. People admire that. In a way, uh, when any when somebody does that, they're helping add to the kind of the inspiration of of what's of, of the, the whole of the whole gym. Other people see that, and and they take inspiration in that, and they and they. It, I mean, I've heard a lot of stories, even funny stuff where you take the, what you were saying, like they're driving by McDonald's and they're thinking oh, they really could use the, a, a, a blizzard or whatever. I don't even know what the, they could really use a, 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 an ice cream sundae or something, whatever. Right. right. And, and, but they'll think of uh, somebody in the gym who is down 50 pounds. Yeah. Maybe they have another 50 pounds to go, but it helps them just, uh, it gives them some wind in their sails too. So it really is a, there is a, um, a kind of collective experience. And if you're in there, it doesn't matter what shape you're in right now. If you're in there for the right reasons and you're doing the right things, you're adding to the experience and you'll find that the vast majority of people, maybe there's the random dickhead here and there, but I, that's very rare, like very rare. And those dudes uh, will be anywhere. Like exactly. the, the random dickhead will be at the in line at Starbucks and there'll be a fucking problem there too. So like, yep. that's just the life basically. Yep. And, and the gym is already, I mean, the people who there are, are there regularly are mostly people who are there because they want to make themselves better. And they almost always like to see other people do better as well. So it really it really can become a, a a positive social experience too. Yeah, I I I tend to put on headphones and and interact with people as little as possible at the gym. But there, but if somebody asks me for a spot, I am more than happy to give them a spot. And and I had a weird experience, which just felt surreal to me because my perception is most of the people in here are in better shape than me. I don't know if that's actually true, but that's my perception. And I'm in there. And I do sometimes like an overhead tricep press in between bench press sets and a dude's looking and I'm like, if this fucking guy is like going to tell me I'm hogging the bench or like wants to tell me my form is off, I'm going to tell this guy, like I'm already gearing up to like say, like have a, have a, a little verbal spat with this dude. And he finally comes up to me. And like motions for me to take my headphones off and I take it off and he starts asking me about technique tips for him. And I was just like, 
what you want me to explain that I, I you look like you know what you're doing what you know it was just like that's one of those milestones that's like it's like that's like when you get two plates on the bench or three it, plates on the bench it's just yeah. one of those moments that everybody that you get to that point where somebody asks you for advice and you're like oh wow me uh yeah sure here let me let me let me tell you some things <laughs> yeah it was wild it made my day dude i thought about it for a, a full week every day i was like that dude asked me for help it was awesome yeah totally. um, yeah i've heard i've heard the same from from quite a few women too where they found it even more funny or or or, or just i guess pleasing because you have these guys especially if it's like younger guys and then they're going to to ask uh, the forty five year old woman for for tips on how to squat better. It's, it's yes, fun. yes. Well, Mike, th- I I thank you so much for your time and and you know I I build up these questions which I have personal answers for, but not necessarily like I haven't done all of the scientific research on everything, and and it's really nice to talk to you and and get get like thorough answers on them. I thank you so much. Absolutely, man. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Really do appreciate it. I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you. Now for a little Q&A. This question is from Steve. How do I ensure that I'm losing little or preferably no muscle while continuing to lose weight? I listen to your podcast all the time, and I know this is your main focus as well. I've been using the combination of intermittent fasting and carb cycling for seven months. I count my macros and work out five days a week while trying to stay active every day. I've gone from 301 to 238 pounds during that time while shaping my body in a fairly positive way. However, I want to gain more muscle while continuing weight loss. Any advice would be very appreciated. Thank you for the question, Steve. And let me say, that is fucking awesome. 301 to 238, that is no small feat. Well done. I've not gained any muscle while losing weight. I I, I kind of got down to the lowest uh, I ever was, was uh, just over 200 pounds. And I was very thin and unhappy with myself. And I kind of went up. 150 pounds of weight gain while working out and it was in there that I gained muscle and so this last this last year two years of dieting um I've just been losing fat and really the last year I've been focused on maintaining muscle but I certainly haven't gained any muscle or built any muscle in that time I have only been not losing muscle in that time. And I don't know, I, I, I've read that some people who are brand new to dieting and, and lifting weights can lose fat and gain muscle. And I've read that people who are doing steroids can uh, lose fat and gain muscle. I haven't, that's not what I'm doing. So I am trying to just lose fat and retain muscle. Now I will, once I get to probably 250 pounds, I will look to gain muscle and I'll look to gain five pounds of muscle over the course of a year or something like that. You know, I'll wind up gaining 20 pounds probably and then have to reduce back down to 255 and have the same kind of lean mass that I had, the same body fat percentage that I was at at 250. That's kind of my overall plan. So I don't know 
how to recommend gaining muscle while losing fat. That's not really something I understand. I, although I've read that it can be done, it seems very, very complicated to me. And so I focus on losing fat only. Now, the way I understand not losing muscle while being in a caloric deficit is uh, getting adequate protein. So I, I eat at least one gram of protein per pound that I weigh and lifting weights. And so you kind of trick your body into thinking it needs to hang on to all the muscle. Uh, the most uh, muscle I ever lost was like 40%, I think. Maybe if I was in a severe caloric re restriction, I, I lost a little bit more than that. Um, so for every 10 pounds of weight loss, four of it was muscle. Now, if I'm thinking it's going to take me a year to build five pounds of muscle, then losing four pounds of muscle is insane. I don't ever want to do that. So I am very, very careful right now about not losing muscle. And I do that by eating enough protein, utilizing the principles of progressive overload. So I'm lifting weights, but I'm always lifting at either heavier, slightly heavier, or slightly more reps or more sets or whatever over time. And then I'm taking deload weeks and taking time off. And I'm also doing maintenance periods on my diet where I don't gain or lose weight to make sure that my body can kind of settle down from the stress of being on a diet. Those are really my recommendations that fall into my understanding of weight loss without muscle loss. I don't know how to do uh, muscle gain while losing fat. That's not really what I do. Uh, it's not what I've done. But you can lose fat and not muscle. That I know to be possible. Thank you for the question, Steve. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast, please submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.